Father's Day. Interesting day, isn't it, that we, uh, we actually get a day once a year when, uh, <laughs> uh, isn't it interesting being a dad? I, I saw a thing the other day, <laughs> this guy um, decided to bring his boss home for dinner. So he got everything prepared and told the kids, of course, to be on their best behavior. And the kids were doing pretty good until they passed the meat at the meal. And the little boy said, Mom, is this mutton? And she said, Well, no, son. Why would you ask? And she said, Well, I heard Dad say he was going to bring a mutton head home for dinner. Kids can get to you, can't they? I heard about a little town that was affected by an earthquake, and this dad sent his son to his brother's house. Um, Didn't want him traumatized. Maybe there'd be some aftershocks or whatever. So uh, he said, uh, sent a note with him, said, uh, please understand this sudden unexpected visit from my son. Uh, we've had an earthquake here. His brother lived further down the state, so they weren't affected by it. The next morning, he got an email back from his brother, said, uh, uh, returning son today, send earthquake. Uh, <laughs> kids can bring the worst out of you, the best out of you. You just never know. I heard about one dad that was really concerned about his daughter. She was about to get married. And the future son-in-law had asked for her hand in marriage, and he just wanted to make sure all the bases were covered and that his daughter was properly cared for. So he sat down with this prospective son-in-law, and he said to him, Young man, I want to ask you a question. Are you going to be able to support my daughter to the lifestyle in which she is accustomed to? And he quickly answered, No, sir. I'm not going to be able to support your daughter initially to the level that she's been accustomed to. However, I do believe that I will be able to support her to the level that her mother was accustomed to when you guys first got married. (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it, how we want so much more for our kids than we expected for ourselves. Anybody here, when you started out, you you guys kind of struggled for a while. Anybody have that kind of experience? Just me, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Rest of you just had it made, didn't you? Money just rolling in. uh, Actually, we figured up the first year after we were married, we figured up, and there was absolutely no way that we could have survived if it hadn't been for just miracles from the Lord. Uh, because there just wasn't it. I was making, I, I, had a, I had a salary job when we got married. I was making $65 a week. Man, I'm telling you, I was knocking it down. And, uh, and after, after we got married, the church that I was working for thought I might need a little extra now that I had a wife, and they, they raised me to $75 a week. I would have run away again the next week and married her again if I'd have known that... The, that it would have got me an extra 10 bucks. But, uh, but thank the Lord for his goodness and his provision. And, and you know, you, you, just, you just charge forth in life, and somehow by the help and the grace of God, you make it. 
What I want to do this morning for the next few minutes, I want to follow the theme that's been set for this weekend. Yesterday, Man Up. I want to, the title of my message this morning is Man Up. And I want to go to the Old Testament and I want to present a character that I, I think just his life just sort of testifies to what I would like to challenge all of you men in this place with today. You can read about this man in chapters 6, 7, and 8, three chapters about him in the Old Testament in the book of Judges. Now, I'm not going to read all three of those chapters, but I am going to read just enough initially to sort of give you the background and the setting of, uh, of this so we can kind of go forward from there. So if you will, observe with me from Judges chapter 6. I'll begin reading at verse 2 and read through verse 6. The hands of Midian dominated Israel. And because of Midian, the children of Israel made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever Israel would plant crops, the Midianites and Amalekites and the people from the east would come up against them. Then they would make camp by them and ruin crops of the land and all the way to Gaza. They did not leave any provision behind in Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. For they came with their livestock and tents like a swarm of locusts. They and their camels were too numerous to count. And they came into the land to destroy it. Israel was made weak before Midian, and they cried out to the Lord. And what I want you to see here is the condition under which the Israelites were living at the time this young judge was introduced by the name of Gideon. Now, they had been surviving like this. I mean, just barely surviving for seven years years. And then the Bible says they called upon the Lord right there. They should have done that seven years earlier, wouldn't you think? How many of us today, if we if we just be honest, how many of us wait till the situation gets so far down or so bad until there's nothing left but for us to call on the Lord and then we cry out to the Lord? Listen, folks, the best thing to do is cry out to God in the very beginning. Amen? He should be the first place that we go when we have difficulty of any kind. We need to learn to do that, to cry out to the Lord. Children of Israel are a little slow, and a, little, a whole lot stubborn. And so they, they survived on just what they could hide in mountain caves. Because when the enemy came in, when the Midianites came against them and the Amal Amalekites and others that had joined with them, when they came, you notice the scripture said it was, it was like a swarm of locusts. I mean, they just, they just consumed them. They would, they would wait till their crops had uh, produced and the harvest time was ready. And they'd just come sweeping in and they'd take everything. They'd, they'd take everything they could get. The only thing that Israel had was what they could hide in caves and other places. And at the setting here that I'm about to read, when, when Gideon is introduced to us, he was in one of those caves, threshing out a little bit of wheat. And in, uh, drop, we're going to drop down to verses 11 and 12, and I want you to see this. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree in Ophrah, belonging to Joash the Abizite. And Gideon, his son, was threshing wheat in a wine press to hide it from the Midianites. 
the angel of the Lord appeared and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I want you to notice as, as Gideon here is trying to survive and trying to provide enough for his family to survive, an angel of the Lord presents himself. Now, the reason there is help from God is because Israel finally cried out to God. Aren't you glad that God is merciful even when we're slow and stubborn? Amen. So God is merciful. He sends his angel. The angel steps up, says two things to Gideon. First of all, he says to him, the Lord is with you. That's the first statement he made. And then he addressed him as almighty man of valor. Wow. Now I want you to look at Gideon's response to both of these things that the angel said. This is interesting. Verse 13 of chapter 6. Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles that our fathers told us about? Get the picture. See it now. An angel of the Lord appears and says to Gideon, The Lord is with you. And Gideon comes out with that great big old question, Why? Why? If the Lord is with us, why is all of this happening? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I am going to ask the question, how many of you, when you find yourself in a situation that you don't understand, has come to God with that question, why? Now, I'm not going to condemn you for that. Um, I grew up believing that you was never supposed to ask God why. And I want to tell you, I want to debunk that this morning. There's nothing wrong with asking God why. You're not going to knock him off his throne by asking him the question why. It's just not the best question to ask the Lord. But, but if you ask him why, it's okay. It's okay. He, like I said, he's not, he's not going to come raining judgment down on you just because you ask him why. But it's not the best. There's a lot of questions that would be much better to ask the Lord. You might ask him something like, Lord, what are you trying to teach me? What should I be learning about this situation? Where have I missed you? Um, what, you know, there, there are other things. But Gideon asked why. First, first thing, when he said, the Lord's with you, he said, if he is, why is all this going on? I don't understand it. And then he answered the second question when he, when he addressed him as a mighty man of valor. Look at this, verse 15, he said, he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. I want you to look what he said. The angel says to him, and, and by the way, the angel is addressing him under the direction of God. So this is the word of God. This is how God sees Gideon. God says to him through the angel, you're a mighty man of valor. And, and here's, here's what I think happened. I got imagination, so this is not in the scripture, but here's what I think happened. Picture it again. Here, here's, here's Gideon in his cave, and up pops his angel and says, Oh, mighty man of valor. Here, here's what I think Gideon did. Who, who are you talking to? And, and the angel said, You, mighty man of valor. He said, No, 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 you don't, you don't know who you're talking to. I'm... I'm the youngest in my father's house. I'm the baby of the family. So I don't get no respect to start with. 
Everybody's older and smarter than me. <laughs> Plus, right now, my, my tribe, my, my family's not doing too good. We're the weakest family in the whole tribe. Not only that, our tribe's not all doing all that great. We, we're one of the smaller tribes right now. In other words, he said, I'm the runt in the runt family in the runt tribe in Israel. And you're calling me a mighty man of valor. I, I want to tell you something, folks. One of the tricks that the enemy uses over and over and over again, and it keeps so many people from the blessing and the destiny that God has for them is to convince you to the point that you will take on an identity that is totally different from what God has for you. He wants you to see yourself in all your weaknesses, all your failures, all your mistakes. In, in fact, he'll major on those things for you. He'll play them over like a record in your mind. It'll, it'll just go over and over and over. It, it, it'll be like you put it on nonstop. It just keeps going over and over and over and over and over again. You have to stop that. Satan's not going to stop it unless you give him a command to in the name of Jesus. So, so you have to take authority over that. What, what Gideon should have said is, praise God. God has addressed me as a mighty man of valor, and I'm going to accept that. Now, I want to tell you this morning, I know that God loves you and that God has good things in store for you. And you know how I know? Because you're still breathing. If you're breathing this morning, God loves you. If you're breathing this morning, God's got great things for you. Amen. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, then the greater one is living inside of you. There's good things ahead for you. You need to accept the identity that he's got for you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, for those of you who know the story, and many of you do, many of you know all about old Gideon. Uh, I'm not going to take a lot of time going through these chapters 6, 7, and 8. I'm just going to fast forward because you're probably already doing it in your mind. You know the end of the story. And for those of you who don't know the end of the story, I'm going to help fast forward you to the end of the story. Here's what happens. Somehow, this guy who saw himself as a weak, small, uh, <laughs> inept individual was somehow able to muster the courage to accept what the angel said to him. And he got the courage to rise up and become that man that God saw him being. And so he overthrew the altar of Baal. And he tore down the pole of Astroth. And he summoned a call to all of Israel. And he said, I'm looking for men. I want some men who will stand up, who will man up. And go with me against the Midianites. And 32,000 men showed up. And so he addresses, gets ready to address the 32,000 men that he's trying to put in shape to go against the armies of Midian and the Amorites, Amalekites. And God speaks to him again. And God says, hold it, Giddy. You got too many people. If you go out there with 32,000 men and win this battle, you're going to think that you did it, and they're going to think that they did it, and neither you nor them can do it without me. And so just to make sure that I get the glory, I want you, I want you to tell all those guys who are afraid to go home. And you know how many cowards there were? 
in that group of 32,000, there were 22,000 cowards. I mean, you should have seen it when, 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 when Gideon said, Tench Hut, everybody that's afraid, go home. Dismiss. Man, 22,000. 22,000 people took off, boy. I mean, they're hightailing it for the house. And this left old Gideon with 10,000 people. Gideon looked around and said, boy, God, you're going to have to help me with this. God, what do you want me to do now? He's, God, and, and, and Gideon's not ready for this. He said, hey, Gideon, you still got too many. I, 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 I want to I use you to win the victory in a miraculous kind of way. So you take these 10,000 down to the river and you tell them to get a drink of water. And everybody that runs down there and, 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 and gets on their knees and puts their face in the water, you tell them to go home. Everybody that runs down there and gets on one knee and looks around very cautiously and carefully and scoops up a handful of water and laps that up, those are the guys that I want to use. Those are cautious guys. They're not presumptuous guys. Those are men. You know how many was left? How many of you know the story? How many were left? 300. 300. He's gone from 32,000 to 300. But again, we advance to the, to the end of the story. And it's a fascinating story. I would encourage you to read it when you get home. Judges 6, 7, and 8. Because there's a lot of details that I'm leaving out here. But I, long, long, long story short, I want to bring you to the end. God defeats the Amalekites, the Midianites, and all the people of the east with 300 men. He had them to, to yell, uh, the sword of the Lord in Gideon. And they broke these uh, pots that they were holding that had candles in them and, and they had surrounded them and, and when those lights suddenly appeared and they heard that shout the Midianites started fighting each other and they, they literally destroyed themselves and God got the victory through Gideon he gave a great victory how many of you believe that God is able to do mighty things let me tell you amen go ahead and give God praise in fact listen folks Little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't need, he doesn't need all this stuff that we think he needs. He just needs some men that are willing to just square their shoulders and say, praise God, I believe God, and I'm going to man up to the task and be who God says I'll be. So that, that I'm, I'm going to very hurriedly give you my message and here it is there's three points to it the first one here's my message from this story i'd encourage you like i said to read the whole story it's it's interesting fascinated encouraging and and it will bless you so you can do that on your own time but but the first point i want you to get this morning to have to have everybody's attention especially all you men i want you to hear this the first thing i want you to be who god has called you to be be who god has called you to be Say that with me. Be who God has called you to be. First of all, God's called you to be a man. Amen? You, you're a man. You're a man. I, I tell you, one of the things that's destroying our society and eroding our culture in a terrible way right now is that we've got a lot of male gender who are just wimping out. 
And we got a lot of single moms that are trying to raise families because men have wimped out and run away from their responsibility. We need some men that will just stand up and say, praise God, I'm a man. I'm a man. Second thing, you need to be a man of courage. That's what he called. He's calling that out of Gideon. Gideon, is, he's hiding. He's, he's giving way to the fear that he has in his flesh. But the angel of God starts appealing to, the, to what's inside of him as a believer of God, Jehovah. And when he does, he starts calling for courage. That's what the Lord did with Joshua when he, when he raised him up to lead Israel. He, called, he said, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Tells him over and over and over again. We need to be men of courage. You say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've gone through. Listen, everybody goes through stuff. If you live long enough, you're going to go through some stuff. If you live long enough, there chances are that you're going to fail a time or two. Or maybe three or four. Or five or six. It's not how many times you fail, it's how many times you get up. You have the courage to try again. Amen? There's a proverb that says a good man rises seven times. You know why? Because he fell six times. And the reason he succeeded is because he got up one more time than he failed. Hallelujah. General George Patton made this statement. I, I like this. Some of you may have, have hit bottom. You say, preacher, you just don't know what I've gone through. I've, I've, you know, I've just hit the bottom. General George Patton said, success is measured by how high you can bounce when you hit the bottom. I love that, don't you? Man, when you hit the bottom, just bounce. Praise God, come right back up. Say, I'm, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again. Walt Disney went bankrupt five times. If he hadn't have tried one more time, there wouldn't be a Disney world. And I'm not sure that wouldn't be a blessing, but... No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I got memories of being at Disney World in the summertime with small kids. Any of you had that experience? Oh, that, that'll test your perseverance right there. That's, that's a good way to see how much courage you got. Take your kids to Disney in August. I'm, I'm sidetracking here, and I'm sorry. I'll get back on the road here in just a moment. Let, let me just, any, anybody, any of you got small kids that want to go to Disney World? Let me, let me give you a good hint. Wait till October and keep them out of school for a week and take them to Disney World because all the other kids are in school and it's cooler. I learned that one August. And I never did it again. <laughs> After that, I said, if we're going to Disney World, we're going in October. When all the kids are in school, the lines are not near as long. Man, those long lines. Uh, I remember we had, first time we had Church of God Day at Six Flags. Was anybody there? This was years ago, back in the 70s. First time we had Church of God Day at Six Flags. <laughs> 
they thought we had reserved the whole park, but Six Flags didn't believe we could fill the park, so they left it open for everybody else too. I heard one guy say I got inside the gate and needed to go to the restroom, got in line to go to the bathroom. By the time I got through the line and got out, it was time to go home. <laughs> it was near about that bad. I mean, you'd stand in line for hours to get one stupid ride that lasted 93 seconds. Yeah. So I told you I'd get back to it. Let me, let me, let me get back to it. That, that Disney is not in Scripture, nowhere. So if you don't want to go, you can use that as an excuse. Say, that's just not, that's just not in the Word at all. <laughs> Thirdly, be a man of purpose. There is purpose for you. Be a man of purpose. Okay. First of all, be who God called you to be. Second thing I want you to take away from this message today is do what God calls you to do. Say that with me. Do what God calls you to do. Do what he calls you to do. I want to take you to Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the entire flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, I know you read that and you say, preacher, that's, that's talking about pastors. Yes, it is. But let me let you in on a little secret today that you may not have thought about before. If you have a family, you are a pastor. And your pastor, your, your family is the greatest church you can ever or will ever have an opportunity to pastor. And every man under the sound of my voice that has a family, you are a pastor of a church that is the church of God. And your call is just as important, in fact, more important than any other call that you have. I, I, I believe that with all my heart. I believe that the family that God gave me is more important than the church that I pastor. And that's not to put the church. I love this church. I thank God for this church. We're blessed to pastor this church. We, we love this church. We love you dearly. But the first responsibility that any dad has is to his family. And here's what God says about pastoring. First, he said... Take heed to yourself. In other words, check yourself out. Take heed. Look at yourself. We, listen, folks. Men, you, you need to look at yourself in the mirror for something besides just shaving your face sometimes. You, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself some pertinent questions. Am I living as a man of God? Do I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do I love my wife like God tells me to love my wife? Am I being the kind of parent to my children that God's word gives me the responsibility of being? Am I being the kind of patriot to my family that God has called me to be? He said, take heed to yourself. Am I living right? Am I serving God? Am I living in such a way that I can be a good influence, a godly influence to the generations that are going to follow? Take heed to yourselves and to your family. Check on your family. So the first thing, you heed. Second thing, you feed. It's the responsibility of the man of the house to feed the family. 
Now, <clears throat> there's a lot of men that think, praise God, I bring home the bacon. And when they have brought home the bacon, they feel like that's the end of their responsibility. Give me a recliner and a newspaper or a clicker and leave me alone. Do your own thing. No, 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 no. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. We are a tripart being. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. It's good. Yeah, I commend you if you're providing for your family. I commend you. But when you feed the body, you've only taken care of one part. We're supposed to feed the spirit man too. We're supposed to feed the soulish man, the mind, the will, the emotions. I read a, I read a note that, um, a comment actually, that a young successful businessman had made. He was asked the question, what influenced, what was the greatest influence in your life? And he said, when I was a little boy, one Christmas, we didn't have much. I was raised poor. But he said, my dad gave me a little box for Christmas, one of his gifts. And he said, when I opened that little box, inside was a note from my dad that said, son, I am giving you 365 hours this year. There are 365 days in this coming year. And every day of these 365 days in this coming year, I will give you one hour after dinner every day that is yours. We'll do what you want to do. We'll play what you want to play. We'll do. And he said, my dad lived up to that every day after dinner. One hour was mine. And he said, every year after that, my dad renewed that promise. And he gave me 365 hours a year, every year. Wow. And he said, that's the greatest influence, the greatest impact in my life. <clears throat> and I give my dad credit for my success, for that one gift that he gave me when I was a little boy that kept giving year after year after year. Wow. Listen, folks, feed them, yes. Feed them good groceries and nourish their body, encourage them to eat well, but feed them the Word of God. Amen? You say, well, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be. If you don't do anything but read the Word of God, there is power in the Word of God. There is power power in the word of God. My dad would not let me leave the house when I was growing up in the morning until he read a chapter in the Bible and got down on his knees and prayed with me before I left the house. And if I had company over, that didn't change things at all. They listened to a chapter in the Bible and they got on their knees while my dad prayed every day. Listen, feed. And then finally he said, lead. Shepherd. You're called to shepherd your family. Lead your family. Man up. Be a man of God. Give leadership to your family. Now, 
Do what God called you to do. Say that with me again. Do what God called you to do. Here's third and final point as I bring this to a close. Go where God called you to go. Go where he calls you to go. I want to give you three calls that the Lord has given to all of us. Number one is a call, I call it the downward call. It's a call for humility. Let me give you some scripture. James 4.10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Listen, <clears throat> they, they, and, 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 and this, this affects the male ego. But if you, want, if you want to succeed in life, if you want to put yourself in a position where God can favor you and bless you and lift you up, I know this is contrary to everything that the world, the world don't understand this. It's a principle that you find only in the word of God, but the way up is down. If you want to be exalted, if you want to be blessed, if you want to be favored, if you want to succeed, then humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Get out on your knees, go where God calls you to go. He calls you to your knees Men, God calls us to our knees. He calls us to be men of prayer. Pray. You can impact your family through prayer. Amen? You can impact your family through prayer. Secondly, there's an upward call. He calls us to be worshipers. 1 Timothy 2 and 8. Therefore, I desire that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or contentiousness. We're called to be worshipers. Let your families see you lead in worship. Worship the Lord. I compliment all you men that are here this morning. There's so many men that sit home and send their families to church. No, 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 no. There's, what we need to do is what you men are doing today. You need to come. You need to lead. You need to, amen. Let them see you worship. Let them see you lift holy hands to the Lord. Worship the Lord. There's the upward call. And then finally, there's what I call the outward call. There is a place God has called all of us into. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came and spoke to them saying, this is the great commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. There is an outward call for all of us. God calls us to share what he has given us. Now, that, that, that outward call may be as near as your next door to just witness to a neighbor, just to be a blessed to you, you may be out mowing your yard someday and you, you run into the neighbor next door and, and during the conversation, you don't have to be, you know, you just grab a Bible and thump the Bible over his head. No, 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 no. Just share with him. You can find a way in a conversation to tell him that God's been good to you, that God's blessed you. Amen. Share your testimony. It could be the person on the job with you. It, it could be God, God may be calling you father. He may be calling the outward call, maybe way off somewhere. Who knows? God has called young men out of this church to go to Father. We've got one in Lebanon. We've got one in, in uh, Columbia, South America. We've got, we got some kids right now that are in uh, Kazakhstan. And we've got a whole group of young people this morning that are leaving for South Africa. 
And maybe God didn't call you to go personally because all of us can't go this morning, but we can all help send. Amen. It's part of the Great Commission. We want to help get this gospel to the whole world. Stand with me, please. Be who God called you to be. Do what God called you to do. And go where God called you to go. Amen? You, 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 you just never know the impact that you can have, even in your prayers. I've shared this story before, and I shared with the earlier service this morning. I went through a, a time of, of adolescent rebellion thank God it didn't last a long, long time. But I got real rebellious when I was a young teenager. Real rebellious against my parents, against everything. And um, I remember one night, I don't even remember what the conversation was about, but buddy, uh, I smarted off to my dad and I, I, I was really way out of line, way out of line. And my dad proceeded to discipline me in the way he had always disciplined me, and that was by giving me a good thrashing. But I had made up my mind that if he killed me, I would not let him break my spirit that night. He would not get an apology, he would not see a tear. And I gritted my teeth, and I stared at him, and he saw in a few minutes that we had problems that were bigger than what a whipping could take care of. In the wee hours of the next morning, I... I woke up for some reason. I, I don't, I'm not even sure why I woke up, but I got up and went to the restroom. And when I went by my mom and dad's bedroom, I heard something out of my dad that was so unusual. I'd heard my dad pray all my life. But my dad was a big, rugged, rough guy. My dad came up rough. My dad was very abused as a child. He left home at 12 years old. My granddad had given him such a horrible beating that the blood squished in his shoes as he walked away from home. And at 12 years old, he walked away from home and made his own way from then on. And his own way wasn't very good. He got in a lot of trouble, spent time in the Atlanta penitentiary didn't get saved till he was 40 years old. So my dad was rough. My dad was rugged. My dad was a no-nonsense kind of guy. But I heard my dad weeping as he called my name to God in prayer. My dad was crying out to God, and he said, God... I have reached a point where I don't know what to do. Sparing the rod I have not done, but it's not working this time. 
what do I do? My dad was crying, weeping over me. And I made my way back to my bedroom that night, and I laid awake for a long, long time. And I thought about the sacrifice that my dad had made, sacrifices that my dad had made to provide for me what we had. My dad was a laborer. My dad was a common worker, a hard worker. No insurance company would insure me. So when I had seven major operations by the time I was seven years old, our, my hospital bills and doctor bills were astronomic. When I went in the hospital for my seventh major operation, my dad had black hair. When I came out, he had turned gray. He worked around the clock for days and nights on end trying to make enough money to pay that hospital bill so he could get me out of the hospital when they finally dismissed me after a long, long, long stay there. And I thought to myself, my dad has done all of this for me, and I'm going to be a smart aleck kid and break him down to tears. He broke me that night. Not with a belt, he broke me with his prayer. Men, the greatest weapon you have for your family is your prayer life. Can I say that again? The greatest weapon you have is your prayer life. Don't minimize it and don't miss it. Take advantage of it. Man up, man up. Go into the throne room of heaven with your children and petition God until you see the changes that are necessary to bring the next generation to the Lord. The army says they need a few good men. I want to tell you the army of the Lord needs some men who will arise and be men of God, who will be who God's called them to be, who will do what God's called them to do, and who will go where God calls them to go. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask every man in the building this morning, in the, in the room here that's willing to come forward. I'd like for you to just make your way as close to the altar as you can. We're going to have a closing prayer up here, but I, I just want men to stand. Just, just, just come on. Young men, join them. That doesn't matter. No, if you can get up here, just, just come as close as you can. Move in real close here to, so that men can come behind you. And I want, I want you to note something. I, I want to compliment New Hope this morning. If, if you'll check with the experts, they will tell you almost every evangelical church has way more women than they do men. I want you to look at the men that are in this house this morning. God has blessed us. Can you say amen? God has blessed us. God has blessed us. We're just going to pray. And then after we pray as a part of our prayer... Brother Steve is going to lead us in a song, and I want, I want all us men to just sing it out as a prayer to the Lord. Amen? But I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will just bless you on this Father's Day. And um, I, I want to challenge you to make this commitment. If you're willing to make this commitment, I'd like for you to say these three things with me again, just out loud. Will you say this? And, and, and just make it personal. Say, I'm willing to be who he's called me to be. Will you say that? I'm willing to be who he's called me to be. 
Will you take the next step? I'm willing to do what he's called me to do. Let's say it. I'm willing to do what he's called me to do. And now the third step, I'm willing to go where he's called me to go. Will you say that? I'm willing to go where he's called me to go. I want you to pray that to the Lord just right out of your own heart. And while you're praying, I'm going to pray over you. If you've not received the Lord as your Savior, open your heart right now at this altar and ask him to forgive you for every sin and come in and be Lord of your life. If you have needs, present those to the Lord. That's fine. Right now would be a great time for that. But I'm going to pray right now. and make that. If you'll accept that challenge, pray that to the Lord, those three things that we just said together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this great host of men that stand before me on this beautiful Father's Day in 2018 here at New Hope. We just bless you, Lord. Here are men of God. Here are men who love you. Here are men who love their wives. Here are men who love their children. Here are men who desire to be a godly influence over their families and to bring on a next generation of mighty warriors for God. Father, I pray that you'll bless every man in this house today. Bless them abundantly. Give them favor, Lord. I pray let, this, let the remaining part of this year, the second half of this year, be, be the greatest year they've ever had. Just pour out the blessings from heaven on their lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord.